As we make our progress to finish the New Testament by the end of the year. In this past week, we read the book of Philemon. And today we're going to turn there and see some lessons that are there for us. And at the end, I'm just going to say, all right, you've had a few, uh, few thoughts, a few things to learn from this short little book. And uh, you take your pick. Figure out what you need to work on this week. So I hope that as you leave today that you'll be encouraged in many ways, but that you'll be really focused on uh, thinking about something in your life uh, that you can do, you know, use your life in a better way to honor Christ more. And so as we, uh, as we turn to this book, I, I want you to consider, and I'm kind of going to go, th- instead of reading the whole thing, I'm going to assume that many of you have read it, and uh, while I'm talking, you're welcome to... Uh, to read through it and kind of uh, see the content that's there. It is 25 verses, so you could get through it pretty quickly and still kind of listen to me in the meantime. But I want to, uh, I want to in the lesson, consider uh, some lessons from each of the three people that are the main kind of characters in this, uh, in, contained in this letter. So that's why I've entitled it Paul, Onesimus, and Philemon, and I've taken kind of look at them and see what we can learn from each one of them. But first, uh, I want to I point out that this is, as you look through it, it it's, a, it's a letter written by Paul to somebody that he knows, a convert that was probably in the city of Colossa. Um, his name was Philemon. So the letter is from Paul, the apostle, to Philemon, who was a beloved brother, a fellow worker, as you learn from the, the short book. And... It turns out, as you read through there, that the reason Paul is writing because he's going to encourage his brother to do something that is very difficult, and that is to, <clears throat> excuse me, to welcome back a slave who is, has run away from his master and uh, possibly even stolen something besides stealing himself away from the master who owned him, but perhaps even stealing some money or something else, perhaps. Um, so this is, and by the way, in that time, if a, a bond servant, if a slave uh, runs away from the master, that is punishable by death. It is, uh, it is something that is not to be taken lightly. It is a big offense. Uh, and, and there are so many different, if you want to learn about the, there's some similarities to slavery as we think about it and know about it, but there were some differences. Um, and if you're interested in that, you can uh, kind of search that on your own. But I'm going to uh, go ahead and uh, dispense with that. Uh, for the summary, I will say that part of the, the important, and as I say, have the summary there at the beginning of the, the lesson on your outline. And, and I note that Onesimus has ended up with Paul in Rome, and he has been converted by Paul in Rome. So this is, a, this is an important part of it, what happens in the book and what happens with Onesimus and Philemon. It affects them all. So let's look and consider, just first of all, from the point of view of Paul. What do we learn from Paul? And I've just got one point here, and, and this is the one that kind of hit me as I thought about the fact that this is, this is a personal letter. 
that was written encouraging. It was written to Philemon, and it was about um, this this slave. And kind of thinking about how this all works out, it was a personal letter. Well, how does it how does it get exposed, and what has happened in the meantime? Well, that, that's going to kind of come into play later. So I'm kind of skipping ahead of myself a little bit here. But the interesting thing to me is the fact that the slave was a slave to Philemon, and he was located in Colossae, and then Rome is a little bit on the other side of the world. You know, it's a long ways away from Colossae. Rome is probably where Paul is at when Onesimus comes to him. And so one of the questions I had, because we find out, um, verse, number, verse number 10, it says, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment. So and Paul has been imprisoned, and Onesimus somehow got to Paul during that imprisonment. So now there, uh, you can start maybe naming some possibilities as to how it happens. What I think most likely is that this isn't just by chance that somehow Paul's in prison in Rome and Philemon, or excuse me, Onesimus has escaped and left his master and then he's wandering around Rome and just kind of runs into Paul. You know, God works in these wonderful, amazing ways. And sometimes what we look at as circumstances that are kind of strange or lucky, you know, well, that's just some of God's providence. And things just kind of work out the way God wants them to. But I think there's more to it than this. I think, you know, for somebody to leave Colossa and travel hundreds of miles to, to find somebody is not something that just kind of happens. I, I wonder, and I suspect, and my, my thought is this, is that Onesimus knew Paul. Onesimus was a slave to Philemon when Paul knew Philemon. Onesimus knew Paul. He had, somehow was not converted to Christ, which is strange to me. Usually when the master was converted, the whole household converted. That included the slaves, the servants in that home. But somehow Onesimus has not been converted. But he knows Paul, and he knows Paul well, and when he runs away, he runs to somebody that he is endeared to. You know, maybe this is all just, maybe he's just heard of Paul and knows about Paul and wants to find him. Maybe he didn't know him. He wasn't a slave for Philemon when Philemon was, uh, when Paul was with Philemon. I, I don't know, but I just, somehow, I think Onesimus knew Paul. And so he travels, he runs away. For some reason, he doesn't want to be with his master anymore, and he runs away from him. But he is, there is somebody that he does love and is endeared to and wants to come to, and that is this man named Paul. And so if that's the case, and I pose on the paper, it's most likely that Onesimus sought Paul. He was looking for Paul. He he decided to find Paul, whether he decided that before he left Philemon or after he left Philemon, then he decided, i got to go find Paul. I don't know what it is, but I think it's most likely he sought out Paul. And if so, then we can learn this, that we can show love and tell the love of Christ with everyone, even a lowly servant. 
So here's a runaway slave, and he has come to Paul, and what does Paul do? He doesn't tell him he's, he should be put to death. He, he doesn't tell him just to go back to his master. He converts him to Jesus Christ. And I think the most compelling part of this thought is the fact that Onesimus had already been in contact with Paul. I think that likely. I don't know that for sure. But I think he knew Paul. I think he was aware of Paul. He knew everything about Paul. Maybe when Paul was there, Onesimus didn't convert, but, but he, uh, he knew the, and experienced the love of Christ that Paul shared. Paul wasn't rude to him. Paul wasn't, um, didn't belittle him, put him down, didn't treat him in a bad way. And that was sharing the love of Christ. And I don't know how, Paul, how long Paul knew Philemon, how long they were in contact when he was in Colossae. But I think Onesimus got to know him then. And so here is a great apostle. One who shows the love of Christ, who tells the love of Christ to even a lowly slave. We can do that also. We can share the love of Christ with anyone. Of course, Paul had shown the love of Christ to Philemon. He had shared the truth about Jesus with Philemon. And also in verse, uh, uh, verse number uh, 2, it also mentions a couple of others. Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. He, is, he has shown the love of Christ and shared Christ with many others in Colossae. And one of those happened to be Onesimus. A lowly servant. Somebody who is, remember we were talking about this last week, one who is the humblest of society at that time. And Paul shared Christ with him. And I want to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And in verses uh, 19 uh, through 22, I'll just read verses 19 and 22 to keep moving. Paul says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I I might win more. Verse 22. uh, To the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that I may by, by all means save some. You know, so what are we doing to win a few people? Are we doing everything that we can? Are we showing the love of Christ to all people, to share Christ with everyone so that we might save some? Here is Paul and this, the seeds that he had sown earlier when he was in Colossa, they pay off. And Onesimus is finding his way to him. And even, even as I talk about it now, I wonder if the reason that, and, and that doesn't make sense, but I almost want, it's possible the way people think, maybe Onesimus even runs away from, from Philemon because he thinks he has to get to Paul to be saved. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he's seeking salvation in that way. But I know that he's going to Paul because he knows Paul. He knows Paul has sh- shown love to him. You know, Paul has been kind to him. Paul has, has become weak to the weak to, to win the weak. And so this weak person, this lowly person, Onesimus, ends up getting saved. And I pray that we'll consider, what are we doing to show and to tell the love of Christ to others? Moving on, let's consider Onesimus. What do we learn from 
the slave, the one who has run away, the one who has slighted his master and harmed his master. What do we, what do we learn from him? Well, first of all, I want us to consider this, is that God will find a way to save us if we seek him. Onesimus was seeking. He ended up with, uh, he ended up, you know, whether it was by chance or he was seeking after Paul, he ends up there and he seeks God and he is found by God. God finds him, God saves him. Verse number 10, I want to read that again. I, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment. Paul converted Onesimus from that from that jail cell or that that house that he was confined to Paul converted him God found a way to save a runaway slave just a neat thing God will find a way to save us if we're seeking after him so help us hopefully that helps us to remember that there are people out there who are seeking Christ and we need to we need to just be receptive to those folks. Be willing to teach them. Be willing to love them. We've got to remember that God wants to save, and he will save people. And um, for anybody who is his seeking, you know, it's, it's amazing what God will do to save somebody. You know, a runaway slave, the circumstances that are here, and God finds a way to save, save this guy. It's a, it's a neat thing. And I, I trust for all believers, we'll get to see Onesimus in heaven someday. That'll be a wonderful, neat thing to meet the saints that we read about here. God can save us. Just seek him. He will, he will, and you will find him. He's close by. And he loves you dearly. He gave a son to die for you. Another thing from Onesimus that I think we can learn is that God will make us useful and give us purpose in life. You know, here's, here's one of the neat, you know, we talk about Onesimus being a slave. He's kind of the low man on the totem pole. In society, he's a nobody. But God can take anyone and make them useful. God can take a life and give it purpose. And that is his absolute desire and intent for every one of us. On the end of verse, to continue into verse number 11, talking about Onesimus, and by the way, hopefully your Bible has a little footnote there that says Onesimus. That word means useful. It was a very common name for slaves, apparently. Useful. Okay. And, and so, it, helpful. Okay? But this guy, useful or helpful, this guy's, that's what his name was, and that's what his name meant. Well, when he ran away from Philemon, what did he become? <laughs> Useless, you know. So, and perhaps he wasn't even a great slave in the first place. Maybe he really wasn't that useful. But anyhow, so Paul says in verse 11, who formerly was useless to you. A runaway slave isn't much help, is he? But now is useful both to you and to me. So here's God come into his life. God has saved him, but God does more than just save us. God doesn't just get us wet one day and then say, all right, you're ready to go to heaven whenever you die and whatever happens in the meantime. Well, whatever happens, happens. I don't care. No, God wants to take us and make us useful. God gives us purpose. God gives us meaning in life. 
God wants to do something with us. God wants Christ to, to come into our lives and to be alive and well and be growing in us with that ever-increasing glory. The Spirit of God is to be present in our lives. And that gives us meaning and purpose in this life. So God will make us useful and give us purpose in life. And, uh, and it's an interesting thing. Paul says, useful to me and to you. You know, it, it's fun to read this letter and to hear how Paul is kind of giving hints that, hey, I'm sending Onesimus back to you, and he's your slave, right? But he's more than your slave, your brother, and he could be useful to me. And you kind of hear him saying, you know, if you want to send him back to me, he could, he could serve me well. He could do a lot for me, you know. So, and Paul's funny the way he says later on, you know, and you owe me your life. <laughs> you owe me your very salvation. I, I'm the one who brought the gospel to you. You owe me. So if you want to do a kindness to me, that's a, that's a great thing. So it's, it's an interesting letter in that regard, a very, very personal letter in that regard, too, and we need to remember that. So more, more from Onesimus. One more thing from Onesimus regarding this idea of he was a slave. Well, being in Christ determines our identity, not the world. Being in Christ is what determines who we are. That's everything to us. You know, the world can try and label you and try and, and give you an identity, you know, but, but it doesn't matter. The world can try and label you as a loser, as a slave, as a lowly person, as, as dumb, as, you know, whatever, worthless. The world comes along and can label people in all kinds of ways. And, you know, and perhaps you go on the the internet and get on uh, sites that people are commenting back and forth and people try and label each other all the time. But, you know, those labels and labels of the world and what people tell you, they, they don't matter a bit, do they? Being in Christ is everything. Who are you in Christ is all that matters. And that's why when the world comes at us and tries to harm us or tries to hurt our feelings or any, anything, when the, we don't care. And we can handle it because we know who we are in Christ. In Christ is everything. Look at verses 15 and 16. Speaking of Onesimus, and he's talking to Philemon, of course, he says, For perhaps he was for this reason separated for you for a while, that you would have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. You know, here, here was a, Onesimus ran away from him. When he ran away, he was just a slave to Philemon. But now that he is in Christ, now he has given his life to Jesus. He's, he's no longer a slave. He's a slave in the flesh. But he's more than that. He is a brother in Christ Jesus. That is his identity. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. Being in Christ, isn't it just a wonderful thing? 
Being in Christ is everything. When you're in Christ, man, we, we, we all, once you're put into Christ, we all come into this wonderful family. Excuse me. I was trying to ignore that little tickle, but it wouldn't let me. It had to try and stop me. So now I'm going to go on the offense. My last cough drop up here. Three weeks straight I've had to do cough drops. I thought I'd get away without it today. In Christ. Just think about it. Now I'm in Christ. Without Christ, who am I? What am I? What's my purpose? Who am I in the world? You know, and it's kind of like I get to the end of life and I'm not in Christ, then what have I done? What is life worth? What's the meaning? You know, but the words in Christ change everything. Are you in Christ? Do you find your identity in Christ? You know, when, when, you know, this whole idea, are you a saint or a sinner, which is it? When you're in Christ, you say, I am a saint, praise be to God. I fail from time to time, more than I should, but I'm growing, I'm learning, I am becoming changed more and more into His likeness all the time. Thank God for His wonderful work in my life. Thank you, dear God, for making me a saint, for making me more like Jesus. In Christ determines who you are. You got to look at yourself even like that. I am in Christ Jesus. Don't let the world determine who you are and tell you who, who you are. God is the one who determines who you are. So let's go on to, um, let me see, I had another verse there. You can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and consider that, you know. If you, when you come to Christ, you know, everything changes. If you're a slave and you come to Jesus, these, this would apply to Onesimus. You know, don't, you don't need to seek to become, you don't have to get out of becoming, being a slave anymore, but, but now you're just, uh, just remember you're free in Christ. You know, slaves, you become a member of Christ, now you're free in Christ. Even if you're a slave on this earth, it doesn't matter. That's powerful. It's a powerful, beautiful, wonderful thought. We're not, we're not, the, the world doesn't determine our identity. Jesus does. God does. All right. Number three, we've got a third person. So we've considered Paul. We consider the powerful influence that he had on Onesimus. And we can do that. We've looked at Onesimus and we've, we've considered his salvation and how God will save us and how God can use us. And how God determines our identity. And now we turn to Philemon. We think about Philemon, the one that the letter is written to. And this is uh, uh, some more neat stuff. And the first one's just very straightforward. And we look at verse number 6. And what I've written here is, is basically verse 6, reworded, paraphrased in my own way. But from that we learn we can share our faith effectively. If we are aware, if we have the knowledge of every good thing which is in us for Christ's sake. It kind of fits with that last thing we were talking about with Onesimus, our our identity in Christ. Who we are in Christ. If we are very aware of who we are in Christ and the good things that God has given us for the sake of Christ. 
then we're going to become more effective at sharing our faith. And I, that idea of sharing our faith or, or having fellowship, you know, fellowship and sharing, depending upon your translation there, it, it, it's with one another, but it's with the, the lost too. How are we, are we can be effective at sharing what we believe with one another and with the lost if we really are aware of the, the good things which are in us for Christ's sake. So I asked the question, well, what is, what is in you? And it's a little bit, you know, what's your identity in Christ? Who are you in Christ? And Philemon is being challenged with this very thought. And I wanted to flip back to uh, Romans chapter 8, verse number 10. I don't remember if I've actually uh, covered this in one of our, in our recent sermons when we were going through there. But this is one of those passages that that just always sticks with me when I read through Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse number 10. It says, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. If Christ is in you. If Christ is in you. And the thought there, the it's... It's saying that, hey, if you are in Christ, Christ is in you. Christ is in you and you're alive to good works, to righteousness because of him being in you. Christ in you. Is Christ in you? Is the spirit in you? Is the spirit of God alive and a well in you? Is that spirit um, quickening within you? Is Is it making you alive? Determining who you are? Do others see that? We looked at Paul and we said, hey, Paul showed Christ to Onesimus so much that Onesimus wanted to seek him out. Who's seeking you out? Who is seeking me out? You know, I think if we, if we really have Christ in us and we're letting that shine forth, people on occasion will come to us. They will seek us out. They will long for Christ, long to know Christ, and they will come to the person that they know can share that with them. So Philemon is being challenged to do kind of what Paul has done for Onesimus. Share that faith effectively, and you'll do it if you're aware of the good that has been put in you for the sake of Christ. All right. Number two. Um, and I did ask that other question too, is what are, what are your gifts? God has given us talents and gifts. God has made us who we are so that we uh, can use them for his glory. So let us do that. And another one that we learned from Philemon that he's really being challenged with, and I think he steps up to the challenges we're going to see in a minute. The bonds that we share in Christ are so very, very powerful. The bonds, the ties that bind. Blessed be those ties that bind us in in Christ. They are very, very powerful. Paul is playing on those those bonds that he has with Philemon, and he's challenging Philemon to have that same kind of bond, that same kind of unity of spirit with Onesimus. His slave that he has the right to put to death. The slave who has run away from him, stolen his goods from him. 
And Paul is challenging him to do this very godly thing. And it's, and it's because of the bonds that we have in Christ. Um, chapter, all everything's in chapter 1, we see. How about verse number 1? Um, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved, or our beloved brother and fellow worker. Paul's reminding Philemon of the bonds that he has with him. You know, man, you're, you're my beloved brother. I love you. And he's writing to him, and he's going to challenge him in this letter. Verse number Verse number 5, let's put with this. Um, I'll read verse 4 with it. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Now, isn't this funny? You imagine imagine, um, Philemon reading this, and when he's first sitting down to read this, and he Man, Paul is so appreciative of, of the love I have for Jesus and for, and for all the saints. And man, I do. I, I need to remind you that. I do. I love all of the saints, no matter who they are or where they are. I love all the saints. And then Paul's about to introduce him to somebody that is now a saint that he probably doesn't think so affectionately of. Your slave who ran away. By the way, now he's one of those saints that you love so dearly. Paul's pretty masterful at crafting this letter, isn't he? And there's no doubt that Philemon is going to have to receive Onesimus with the same love that he has for all the saints. Verse number, um, verse number 16. We read this before, but um, Paul was talking about receive him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. Can you imagine <laughs> probably how many months has Philemon been stewing about what has been stolen from him? Not only is his slave gone, maybe the slave took some money with him. Onesimus, man, if I ever see him again, you know, out of the sake of the love for Christ, I probably won't have him put to death, but boy, he is going to pay. <laughs> and now... Here is a letter that comes back to him. Well, I guess maybe it wasn't such a surprise, I guess, because Onesimus probably helped bring the letter. Um, uh, but the wonderful bonds that we share in Christ, it, they, they overcome you know, great harm, great offense, and they bring us together in love. That's what we. That's what, who we are in Christ. That's the church. And this harkens us back to the to the passage that we looked at actually last week. And I want to flip back there and read again real quick Ephesians chapter four. And I think as we read through Ephesians chapter four, verses one, two, and three, you know this story of Philemon with Onesimus and what Philemon is being challenged to do. And even Onesimus to go back into the lion's den here, not knowing if Philemon will actually receive him as a brother. They're, they're bearing with one another. They're, they are doing what God calls them to do, and even in difficult situations. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. 
Therefore, I, the, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So this lesson that is here before us today, I think it exemplifies what I wanted to say last week, and it probably says it in a much better way than I did last week. So, so take this lesson and apply it to Ephesians 4 also. The bonds we share in Christ are powerful, and they can help us to do things that are so very difficult, including forgiveness and even loving. With Christ, we can forgive and love. With him, we can do the impossible. With Christ, all things are possible. Think about the fact that this letter became public. The fact that this letter wasn't burned up and thrown into a fire. I suspect that didn't happen because I, I doubt that Paul made a, made a copy. And he, he said, all right, now Philemon... Gets, doesn't do what I told him. I'm going to distribute this letter to everybody. I don't think he would have done that. The letter that he sent that made its way to Philemon, I think Philemon took that letter. He took the challenge that was there to love somebody who had wronged him, to receive back a brother who is actually one who had escaped from him and stolen from him. And in Christ, he loves him. He, um, he perhaps says, all right, you're, you're my slave no longer. I want you to go and serve the one that you love. You went to Paul. Go find him. Help him. Maybe he did that. But he honored this letter, and then he wanted to do even more. He shared this letter with others so that they could know the great power of love. And he shared that with all that he could. Philemon's a, it's a neat it's a neat book, and perhaps there are other things in there that you find compelling. What I'm going to do is, is, as far as challenging you, there were, you know, these, uh, what, about seven, seven points, seven thoughts that I made from this lesson. And I just want you to review those things. I want you to think about them. We can share and tell the love of Christ with everyone, even a lowly slave. God will find a way to save us if we seek him. God will make us useful and give us purpose in life. Being in Christ determines our identity, not the world. We can share our faith effectively if we're aware of every good thing which is in us for Christ's sake. The bonds that we share in Christ are powerful, and with Christ we can forgive and we can love. You know, look at those things, or perhaps look at Philemon and just... Decide what's one thing you need to work on this week. What's the one thing that you can do, the one thing that you can, you can tweak in your life so that you can become a little bit more like Jesus? What's the one thing that you can change in your life so that you can serve God and honor Him and glorify Him in your life in just a better way? What is it that's going to help you shine the light of Christ and His love? Look at those things. Pick one of these things, pick, pick something else you see from Philemon, and, and just work on it this week. Focus on it. Do it well. Do it better. And if you're not a Christian, 
I encourage you because in this book we see reconciliation. We see relationships that were strained and now they come back together and can be one of love. And that's a picture of of what God does. Reconciliation. He fixes things. I want you to seek reconciliation with God and with man. With your brothers, sisters in Christ. And you can do that by having faith in Christ Jesus. Because once you have that faith in Jesus, once you are baptized into Him, once you are in Christ, clothed with Him, then you have found every blessing blessing that heaven has to offer. That's where it's at, is in Jesus. So I encourage you, if you're not a Christian, give your life to Him today. It would be like going back, you know, imagine Amnesimus going back, knowing this guy could put him to death, but instead Philemon says, oh man, you're my brother now. Praise be to God, and he gives him a hug. That's what God does. You know, we're, we're an enemy, we have an offense against him, but he says, you know what, I don't care about that. You come back to me, come here, and he gives us a big bear hug, and he loves us, and he says... Uh, anything that's mine is yours, you know. You're, 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 we're brothers, we're friends, you're, you're my best friend. It's a beautiful thing. So if you're not a Christian, come to Jesus today. I encourage you. If you wish to respond, please come as we stand and sing.